the Boston players love But Michael Jordan is not only the best basketball player, but he's the most exciting basketball player to ever play. Tatum fires away, pumps it in. The Big Three NBA Podcast is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome to another edition of the Big Three NBA Podcast. I'm your host, Eastron Blake, with Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. Uh, we are down one today with Kwani Luna. She's getting, let's just call it load management. Uh, load management day for Kwani Luna. She will be back. Uh, in no, she ain't playing no 82. <laughs> nah, she on that. Hey, look, you know her, 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 her you know, a twin from another mother, Kawhi Leonard, since he's back to playing, I guess she's her time to do the load management thing. I see yeah, what they're she, doing. She needs rest, so we'll she see needs- her next week. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, just, just for uh, those listening, this episode of the Big Three NBA Podcast is brought to you by Indeed.com, HelloFresh, and FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston, and new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 line bet we're just going to jump right into the action and, and man was there action with the Celtics lately uh let's just jump right into that Indiana game uh Celtics lost 133-131 uh no Jason Tatum who was on a, what they I guess they described as ankle management that left ankles a little, little sore uh and there was no Sam Hauser who has a shoulder injury that he's dealing with but their absences big story the bigger story was how the game ended controversial Paul in the last five or four, three seconds, something like that, last 10 seconds of the game, where Jalen Brown uh, pulled up for a contested baseline jumper and was originally the foul. The, the, original call, the original call was that he was fouled. And then they went to replay, and then the call was overturned. But what made it so controversial was that Jalen claimed that he got hit in the back of the head. And the replay angles that I saw show there was some contact it wasn't a lot but there, it appeared to be that there was some contest with the contact with the back of his head but the officials overturned the call anyway gary washburn uh you've seen that replay probably as many times as i have what was your take on the overturning of that call and were you surprised that that happened i thought it was a terrible call um i thought that it was just all around mishandled one there was contact, there was a foul. Two, they awarded the ball to Indiana because when the foul was called, the whistle blew, Neesmith caught the ball, so they called that a rebound. And so they awarded the ball. Instead of saying, listen, everybody stopped when the whistle blew, they basically awarded the ball to Indiana, and so it turned out double jeopardy for the Celtics. You lose, sorry, you lose not only the non-foul, you get they award the ball to Indiana. So it's a, it's it's sort of like a defensive stop and a steal. Like you might like I've never seen where you basically call that like you you call it basically a turnover. I mean they called it a missed shot. Well, if if there was no foul, the ball went in the East Smith's hands. So that's a rebound, even though the players, I think Porzingis had stopped when the whistle blew. So you essentially give the ball to Indiana and you take away free throw. So it was a bad call. It was a misjustice in terms like the staff was over its head in that situation. And you had a pretty veteran staff. You didn't, these weren't youngsters. You know, we know some of the new officials and we know some of the 
people that you're like, okay, this could be a long night for them. They're having trouble. We know some of the novice officials and we know those and we see them, you know, but this was a veteran crew that just botched this call. Then it caused the Celtics to gain. Now you, you know, it isn't the only thing that caused the Celtics to gain. Porzingis doesn't need to be so aggressive. On, you know, if Mathurin hits a fadeaway step back three over a seven foot three player to win the game, tip your cap and walk off the court. But Porzingis contests it, makes contact. That was not the smartest move on Porzingis's part. Just stand up there and do that. Contest. If he steps back, rises up, and swishes it in the face of a seven foot three, they deserve to win the game. But I thought that it was a terrible call. Jalen, you could see it. How you not like see when we could see it at home that Jalen got hit in the back of the head. Um, it was a foul, but he healed admitted that he hit, hit made contact with the back of Jalen's head. So to me, it was just, it was bad, but you know, and the Celtics should have walked out there and stole a win, but you know, we could talk about the game itself. You can't lose to Indiana without Halliburton. That third quarter I thought was, was right. terrible. The Celtics were just like, they were just ball. They were just, they came out in the third quarter lazy again, and it cost them the game. You can't give up a 44-point third quarter. That's just unacceptable. Um, they have to be better in the third quarter. They have to have more focus. And you have to understand that, that, that those guys were going to play better or, uh, above their heads without Halliburton because it was a rallying cry, right? It, to me, that was the dangerous part. Then you let... The, the you know T.J. McConnell, um, you know just kind of make make big plays. You know re offensive rebounds, layups at the rim. That's what he does. You cannot allow that to happen. You cannot allow T.J. McConnell to set the pay, set the tone of the game. A lazy inbound, a lazy inbounds pass by Jalen for a steal, for a turnover, like things like that. Like the Celtics had a chance to pull away in the third quarter, and to me, botched it. Now, here's the third quarter. 15 for 22, 68.2%, 4 for 7 from 3. The Celtics sent Indiana to the free throw line 10 times, 10 for 10. Like, that's just unacceptable. You can't have that happen. Yeah. The Celtics shot themselves 57% in the third quarter, 4 for 8 from 3. But, you know, in six turnovers, that's too much for a quarter, 3 by Jalen. But when you allow 44 points by a non- Halliburton Pacers, that's a problem. That's a problem. And, and it was all depth. Like, if you look at that quarter. They had nine guys that scored in that quarter. Yeah, exactly. That's it was crazy. T.J. McConnell, eight. Neesmith, seven. Like, they just hit them with all types of their weapons, their depth. You know, um, and you can't have that happen. And you got to be better than that. And the focus has to be there. And I don't know if that's Joe's fault. Or, you know, because you just got into a shootout. And I said, they, they, that, they let, if, if you, up by nine at halftime, if you throw, hit some couple of buckets, go by 13 to 15, then you're in Indiana's head. Then I don't, I don't think they just give up, but I think that you, you've got full control of the game. Yeah. But then again, you start slow. And I said, I mean, eight points, three assists, and two rebounds from McConnell in that quarter, you know, uh, 
it's just, it's just, you know, you just can't have that happen. And to me, that was where the game was lost. But the officials botched the call completely. Um, it's embarrassing to have that situation like that. We'll see what the the, the two-minute report comes out, and I'm sure Joe is very much looking forward to that. Um, but for me, bad call. And then to give the ball to Indiana. And then, like I said before, Porzingis, just contest. Don't don't lean. Don't don't try to get the block shot. Just contest to where they don't have an excuse to call the foul. And and they he made contact. He might have gotten a piece of the ball, but he also hit the arm. And that's where the game was lost. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet like live same game parlays. Find bets in the new explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK in New York. Yeah, I mean, th- th- that... Again, the the one thing that when I when I was watching the game and then I look back on it, that the Celtics have to remind themselves of is control what you can control. You can't control bad calls. You can't control refs getting things wrong because you know it's going to happen. They're human. That's what humans do. But you can control your efforts and your actions. And I thought, as you pointed out, Gary, the third quarter, they just didn't have that focus or that fire, that fight to just bury a team that at that point was kind of on the ropes. I mean, you, your best player is gone for the game. You are, you know, slowly but surely sinking. Uh, the Celtics have good momentum, and, and the Celtics just let them off the hook. Uh, they let them get comfortable. They let them play their style. And that was the other thing, too, that jumped out to me. There were too many stretches in this game where the Celtics were playing at the Pacers' pace and not their own. 
uh, where they were looking to score quicker than they need to, where they weren't running through their offense. And I know Jalen had an amazing game offensively with 40 points. Uh, but the one thing that we've seen like the last couple of weeks is that the Celtics, when they're at their best in close games, usually there's some combination of Derek White and Chris Asperzingis leading the way. Uh, when you start looking at the seasonal crunch numbers uh, or clutch numbers, and you start breaking it down even further, it's like the last 5, 10, 15 game segments, you'll see that Derek White and Chris Asperzingis are in the top five, top 10 in almost all of those, those analytic breakdowns. And the eye test. The eye test tells you that those guys are balling in the latter stages of the games and are a big part of why the Celtics, when they've had a close game here and there, they've been able to get over the hump. Tatum may go for 12 or 14 points in the fourth quarter, but you, you watch the game, you'll see it's Derek White making the hockey assist, you know, for the for that basket. Or it's Przingis getting the tip in. Or Przingis, you know, running high pick and roll, you know, running to the rim and catching a lob from someone. They need to recognize who their best players are in certain moments in the game. And I thought without Jason Tatum out there, uh, they seem to kind of lose their way a little bit because Derek White did not have a good game shooting ball. And I want to be absolutely clear, down the stretch, I'm really not looking for him, particularly in that game, to be a shooter. But I am looking for him to be a playmaker. And when I look at his numbers throughout the course of the season and his numbers in that Pacers game, he had six assists with like one turnover. So it wasn't as if his facilitating part of the game was off track or anything like that. I would love to have seen him and Jalen Brown in some end-of-the-game action where they were basically uh, forcing Indiana's defense to, to pick their poison, either play Derek a little closer than they want to or look for, for Jalen. And the other thing, too, and we talked about this on the Guardian Report uh, after the game, There's when before Jalen pulled up for the, the, the controversial shot, there's a, there's a screenshot that has Derek White at the top of the key begging for the ball. To his left, I believe, is Porzingis. And on the corner, I believe, is Al. But basically, if Jalen swings that ball, top of the key to Derek, three options. You're either going to get a wide-open shot from Derek, Derek pass to will be a, probably a wide-open Porzingis, who then may pass to a potentially wide But there were three potential wide-open shots versus the contested multiple defenders in your mug shot that Jalen took. And again, that doesn't take... That doesn't completely take away from what was a, a very well-played game, but it is a reminder of how down the stretch, just because you've had a good game for three-plus quarters, doesn't mean you have to be the one to deliver the kill shot. Jalen would have been so much better suited to pass it, and I get it that Jalen, that's not who he is. He's never going to be a great passer because he's not built to be that. Just like there's certain players who are never going to be great scorers, but they are great facilitators. Like Derek White is a good scorer. I'm never going to expect him to be a 25, 28 point per game score. He's not built to do that. But understanding the roles that you're supposed to play and the moments you're supposed to play him. And I thought down the stretch, Jalen, uh, he tried to do a little too much. It uh, would have been much better served to swing it to an wide open teammate who then would have made the decision whether to get it back to him or find someone else. Uh, but the, the, the whole uh, issue also shines a light on something. And I, and I hate talking about officiating because I just, I, I'm always uncomfortable talking about it because it always feels like a cop-out when you focus too much on, on officiating, particularly when a team is losing. But because of the nature of this game, folks did a little bit of, you know, what I call hood research on the official, uh, James Williams, and they came up with some very low-hanging fruit that only feeds the whole conspiracy theorist in people. Uh, he attended high school in Indiana. 
<laughs> and he graduated from Purdue University. And those were and, and those facts were brought front and center right away. And when you're and you make a call this controversial and questionable, and you've got that as part, those are facts. That's just not like hyperbole. You went to that high school in Indiana. You graduated from Purdue. How do you? Yeah, and, and again, I, I've I've been in this this a long time, and so have you, Gary. But how do you take that type of information in light of what happened? How do you view the fact that he's from Indiana? He went to college in Indiana. And he just made an incredibly egregious call that favored the Indiana Pacers. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say the fix was in. I'm not going to say that strongly. I just think the crew wasn't great. You know, just not a good crew. And when we got these are guys we know: James Williams, Michael Smith, and Derek Richardson, three veteran officials, quality officials. That blew two calls to me giving awarding the ball now that was the replay center also but to say that heel did not hit jalen in the head it's just inaccurate and you can see it on the damn video you see you when see his it. head goes across the back of the, you can see his head move as, yes as, as, as he hit on the back of his, back his back head. head yeah he got hit in, he got hit in the cornrows like you know <laughs> it, it's, it's the same thing but, you know, Sherrod, I'm also going to blame the Celtic defense. Indiana shot 53%, 48 from three. Um, too much, too many easy looks, not contested looks. Like Benedict McThurin, he's a scorer. But Obi Toppin with, four three, with three threes, um, you know, guys who are just, you know, the McConnell minutes, Neesmith was 17, and you know, and then two, nine missed free throws from the Celtics, three from O'Shea Brissett. And, you know, and I know we all like, we both like O'Shea, but if you're going to stay on the floor, O'Shea, you got to hit your free throws. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, because he, look at his night, one for four. Okay, but 6.6 .6 rebounds, two steals. So this is, and he's a plus five, but he missed three free throws. See, uh, Svee, um, Mahalik, he missed two free throws. Like, if you're going to get into the game and you're going to earn minutes, you can't miss scoring chances. Joe's an analytic guy. And as we know, in our even in our public school math, two points is better than one point. Facts. I think we would all agree on that. So when you get a possession – and Sri Mahalik is fouled or O'Shea, when they split two, Indiana will take that. Yeah. So you miss, you lost the game by two points. You missed nine free throws. I'm going to give Jalen a, a pass. He missed two. Porzingis missed one. But five combined missed free throws. If you want to add Luke missing one, six for three bench guys, those are critical points. Right. And if you're going to earn these minutes – and if O'Shea is going to bring, be that wing that Brad Stevens was referring to, he's got to be more efficient. Yeah. You know, he missed three threes. Okay, he's not really a three-point shooter. He can hit one occasionally. But for me, three out of six from the free throw line, you can't be proud of that. You yeah. got to you gotta finish that up. This, his fee played five minutes, was aggressive, so he got to the free throw line four times in five minutes, and he missed two of them. And I'm not blaming those guys for the loss. But you, when you come to these games, you lose by two points. It's the little things, yeah, the tiny things, the stretches, you know, not getting offensive rebound, 
you know, things like that. But this, the Celtics, fine. They out-rebounded Indiana. They had two, two more turnovers, you know, 15 turnovers, not, t- you know, Jalen had five. You know, Jalen still got to keep control of his handle. I think he's starting to get better with that. But, you know, he still loses the ball at times. Drew Holiday had three, although he had a season-high 21 points. Um, but to me, that those two bad calls, the defense, and then nine missed free throws. That's why you lose these games. Yeah, And it, it yeah. looks, they're, they're 28 and eight. I'm not going to like, you know, you ain't going to see no, hey, the best record in the league, you know, had a chance to beat Indiana without Tatum and without Hauser, although they didn't have Halliburton, but it would have been a nice way, nice win to get heading into this stretch, right? And also a nice win to prove that you can play productively without Tatum. And I think they proved that, you know, let's say 52% from the field, 48%, like identical stats for the game, except for they missed four three throws and the Celtics missed nine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's huge. That's huge. And I mean, and, and you know, Jalen that with 40 points on an efficient, I think it was 17 for 26, uh, the fifth Celtic to have 10 or more. 40-point games in his career. I think he's like, yeah, he's fifth on the all-time list in that regard. Uh, but, you know, Jalen, you know, he had some interesting post-game comments. Uh, specifically, what I wanted to lock on was where he said that, you know, this should be investigated, whatever that means. I don't know whether he was speaking just from, like, you know, the final two-minute report is what he was referring to, whether he thought there'd be something uh, grander than that, which I don't think will happen. But what do you anticipate, if anything, will be the fallout from the, that 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 questionable slash controversial slash bad call. Nothing. It'll just be the two minute report. We'll probably say he got fouled. It'll, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see what it says. Yeah. That was some Chuck D stuff. Shout out to Chuck D. That was some Chuck. Here it is. Like, you know, he's calling for, he's calling for the revolution. I, I, I respect that. I respect that. Um, about so, yeah, I mean, I think Jalen was upset and he had every right to be, and it did cost them the game. I'm, now, you can, you know, I'll say that they there's other things that could have won in the game earlier, but it's a bad call. It's a straight up bad call. Just a terrible call. You, you stick with your convictions. You call the foul, then you go back, and then you give the ball to the Pacers. Right. Like to me, the Pacers are like, okay, jump ball. Oh, we get the right. ball. Right. Exactly. What? what? Thinking, yeah. Yeah. They we get the ball. ball. Yeah. They were thinking best case scenario would have been a jump ball. Word yeah. up. Like, I'm sure they were like ecstatic. Yeah. And they didn't have any time out. It's like if they if they lose that challenge, okay, they're out of timeout. So if Jalen hits one free throw, they got to go length of the court in 3.2 seconds and try to score. Right. So it put them in a we're about to lose this game to we can win this game and then the foul on Mathurin. So uh, I just think you, it just can't be that drastic. Mm-hmm. Even if even if you made the call and said jump ball at the center court, okay, then you go to overtime. Let them settle it in overtime. But to sit there and hand the ball to Indiana and go, now you have a chance to win. And that wasn't a foul. And because Neesmith caught the ball, caught the shot ball well after the whistle sounded, and in the air, that we'll, we'll say that that was going to be a rebound. So we'll give the ball to Indiana. Yeah. Then they had the timeout from the challenge, so they took it at midcourt, 
And we saw what happened. Yeah. And I'm not saying it was the smartest move by Porzingis, and I think you just sit there and do that. But it all was set up with those bad calls. Yeah. So, and, and let's be honest, man. Like, in this league, the officiating has to get better. It has to get better. There's yeah. too many, there's just too many of these mystery calls and strange, and it just has to get better. Guy missing a layup, and then two seconds later, there's a foul call because the official wanted to see um, if he was going to make the shot. And if, if he made the shot, he wasn't going to call a foul. Like, right. it's just, you know, I mean, officials got to be better too. They blaming the um, players and the players and load management. We all need to be better. And the officials need to be better. And that was a, a that was a that was a really, really poor call. Exactly. And you were laughing about my New Year's resolution to be better. Look at you. Yeah, I was Look laughing at, at that. I was Look at you. So anyway, speaking of being better, let's talk Jason Tatum. Uh obviously missed the last game with the the ankle management uh deal. It's only the third game he's missed this season. Uh, he's never missed more than eight games in a given season since he's been in the NBA. He's one of the more durable superstars out there. Uh, load management is not something he is a fan of, as, as he's expressed to us multiple times. But what is your level of concern with, with him in this, this ankle injury? I mean, is it, do you think it's just not a big deal, or is it something that we need to be mindful of? What's, what's your take on it? Yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think if Jason could have played very much, but I think the Celtics look at their stretch coming up and said, okay, this is our schedule here. We have Minnesota, Milwaukee back-to-back, then Houston, then Toronto, like four games and six nights. Do we? What game are we going to give Jason a break? Because we got to give him a day off here. And I think, I think the, basically they said, we'll just choose in, we'll choose Indiana. You know, we'll choose Indiana because it's a second. We we already took the first one. We like our chances, and they had a chance to win. We don't want to rest them at home against Minnesota. It's a big game. You're not going to rest them against Milwaukee, and he ain't going to not want to play against Ime in Houston. So nice. when are you going to give him a break? And to me, I think you give him a break against this game in Indiana, and, and there there's a neck there's a game next Wednesday home to San Antonio, you might give him a break there because the Denver Nuggets are coming in on that Friday. Then you go on a three-game road trip, Houston, Dallas, Miami. So I think this was strategically planned. Just give him a break. I don't think his, his um, ankle is completely healthy. Remember, he sprained it in Golden State. Then he got fouled a couple of times in LA on threes and got stepped on. So I think his uh, ankle was probably a little bit tender. But I think if this is a playoff game, we all know Jason would have been in there and probably scoring 35, 40 points. Yeah. However, yeah. Um, I do think it's a smart move. You know it. Did it cost an, an L? Barely. It wasn't like they got blown out. And, you know, but the players, they got to go on without them. And let's be honest, Sherrod, like the, the Pacers didn't have Halliburton for the whole second half. So you got to figure it out. Right. Absolutely. And the, the other uh, missing person for them, uh, health-wise, was Sam Hauser, who has been, you know, arguably one of, if not their most consistent reserve this season. He's filled in for in that starting lineup when, you know, when guys are out. Uh, but 
Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit, is here to help you do all three. Say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll like delivered right to your door. Each HelloFresh box is packed with farm-fresh ingredients and everything arrives pre-portioned right to your doorstep for less hassle and less wasted food. Don't let recipe boredom strike because HelloFresh has more options than ever before. Dig into their biggest menu yet with over 45 dinner options to choose from weekly and even more market add-on items that suit any and every lifestyle. For me, I'm a big fan of the pork sausage rigatoni rosa and the Gouda burgers which take about 20 to 30 minutes to cook which is not a lot of time for a really, really good meal. And in order to get in on America's number one meal kit, go to hellofresh.com slash big3free and use the code big3free and that's B-I-G-T-H-R-E-E free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash big3free with the code big3free and that's B-I-G-T-H-R-E-E free. I'm not so concerned about just when he's coming back and that kind of stuff, but more to the point of something that Brad Stevens alluded to, uh, and you touched on a little bit earlier about just the Celtics coming up with a trade deadline, maybe looking at, you know, buyout market, uh, but certainly keeping their eyes open and ears peeled uh, to add talent if it makes sense for them. Uh, but it appears just the way, just looking at this team, that they're either looking at a wing, which Brad Stevens kind of alluded to that they're looking at, or they might be looking to add a big. Uh, which do you think is the greater need for them in terms of bolstering that bench? Hmm. I'm going to say the wing, a score, a shooter, someone to get you easy buckets. I mean, you know what? If you keep Luke, I think Luke does okay. I didn't. Here's my thing. You know what? If Isaiah Jackson, like Luke, you got to get tough, man. Isaiah Ch- Jackson wanted a piece and Luke ignored him. Like, no, man. Like, Luke, don't perpetuate the stereotype that you're soft or that you're a Vanderbilt kid. Go up there. What? Did you say something? Like, it's an NBA. Ain't no, y'all ain't throwing no hands. Okay. No. You're, not, you're not throwing no hands. Like, like to me, Stand up for yourself. Now he kind of um he kind of w- tried to ignore it and like did his high fives and all that, which is cool, but no man. They do one they do threw you down. Yep. I would have been like, do that, do that again. And so obviously they're starting to choose um coordinate over Kata. Although we all like Kata, I like Kata. I don't know why um, Joe is just playing Cornet all these minutes uh, and suddenly Kate is now sitting. You know, I don't know what's going on there because Kate was playing well and played well on the West Coast trip. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do that and you're going to, you know, keep Kata and you got um, uh, Cornet, then you go after that wing. I don't know if. O'Shea is that guy. I think they need a bucket getter. Mm-hmm. That's me. I'd go up to Sadiq Bay. Yeah. He makes the salary in the grant TPE. Okay. Atlanta is probably going to blow this thing up. And 
Now you might have to give one of those couple second round picks. I don't know what if they it want. costs a couple second round picks to get Sadiq Bay. You cut that check. Yes, yes, because that dude yeah. can shoot and he's a dog. We know he's a yeah. Philly dude, he's a Villanova guy. He's a dog. You put him in a winning situation, he's gonna flourish. Okay. I, I, yeah, I'd be curious to see if he's on the floor and Isaiah Jackson does that to Luke. What's he gonna do? I'm, something tells me that Sadiq ain't just gonna be like, oh, okay. Something tells me Sadiq might have some words, or might, or he would at least do some type of physical something, uh, show some type of reaction to that. And and, and again, it goes back to Gary, something that we've kind of talked about. And I know it's been out there. Is how tough is this Celtics team? They are talented. No one questions the talent on this team, but there are legitimate questions about how tough they are. In moments like that, uh, makes those brings those questions to the forefront because a team like Indiana. They know that they can't beat the Celtics head-to-head talent. They know that's just not going to work. You have to figure out ways to manufacture success against a team that on paper is, is, is better than you. And that's where... I don't like when Cornette backs down to Isaiah Jackson. I didn't like right. that. Right. Like, Cornette, you seven feet, man. Defend yourself. I'm not talking about punch him, but just go push him back. Right. Now, and you know... Yeah, get hit with the double text and then let him know. Exactly. Like you let him know you ain't you ain't that ain't you ain't for that life. You that's not you. Right. So I didn't I wasn't crazy about that. And I know Luca, I just want to play basketball. Like this is a game that you said they might try to be physical and intimidate with you. Intimidate you. So for me, you gotta have a dog out there. Marcus was a dog. Grant was the dog, right? Is it O'Shea? O'Shea can be a dog. Lamar Stevens is definitely a dog. He just don't play. He just don't play. He just don't play. <laughs> and then, you know, Jalen can be a dog, but he's your best player. You need a, you need a dude out there as an enforcer. You need a guy to be like, no, no, you ain't doing that again. Like, you know, what was that? You going to push him down because you mad that I'm getting offensive rebounds over you or whatever? And he and, and Luke just tar- tar- starts high-fiving like, yeah, like – I'm not even I'm not even acknowledging that. No, there's some things you got to acknowledge. And so to me, I don't think that they're a soft team, but I think they could get. And this has been like this for years. Right. Even when Marcus was here, this was an issue. Marcus and Jay were Marcus and Jay were the dogs. And even Isaiah was a dog. Okay, Isaiah was a five foot nine Rottweiler. Love that. that. Love that. That dude was a dog. Okay, Jay was a dog, and Marcus Morris was a dog. Yes, when he went to, when he went to Embiid and did three zero when 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 they was talking mess after the, in the playoff series and he did three zero three zero and don't forget about the two the two hand push of Ben Simmons right in front of the referee and yeah. no call Yes, <laughs> so those days are gone. Okay, yeah. you know, I don't think you have that. But I do think you have to get tougher. I do think someone has to walk up. But if you're if you're if you're if he's pushing a smaller player, you, someone big walks up. Luke's got to defend himself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was an intimidation ploy by the Isaiah Jackson. Mm-hmm. He pushed him to the floor. So I don't know. Nah. Or you you know, Mathurin had a uh, had a flagrant foul. So sometimes you got to go at a dude and be like, no, don't don't do that again. Right. Don't do that again. Absolutely, absolutely, and and just kind of again moving on. Let's let's talk about the NBA as a whole and some of the big stories out there. Biggest story I think out there is John Morant, uh, the shoulder injury. He's out for the season. That's a 
devastating blow to a team that seemed to be kind of turning it around upon his return to the lineup. Uh, just your thoughts on, on, on him and being out for the rest of the year, and, and what does that mean to the Grizzlies going forward? Um, <laughs> the draft lottery? <laughs> you're trying to be politically correct. I see what you're doing. Get get that get that get that uh get that suite ready in Secaucus for the draft lottery <laughs> at the at the Secaucus uh JW Secaucus or 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 Brooklyn wherever the, wherever they do the ping pong balls because it's just why now like I don't think I still think they can compete for a play in, but that's just a lot, man. Like you know. Steven Adams out. Brandon Clark still hasn't returned from the Achilles. Now John Moran. You know, Marcus just got back from a foot injury. Like, I think they'll continue to play hard. And they played 25 games without Ja, but they were bad in those 25 games, right? I think, what were they, like 8 and 17 or? Yeah, 7-21 yeah, or something like yeah, that. Something like yeah. 6 and 19, whatever they were, right? Yeah. They were bad. And so now I just think if you're Memphis, I mean, you just have to reboot. Like you and look forward to next year. Now, if you re, like to me, do you need? Do they need another young, good, young player? I would say yes. I would probably think it'd be nice for for Memphis to add because remember, Memphis is not a free agent destination, so you're not going to go up, oh go out there and sign somebody to the max. Like you got to you got to keep your players and cultivate them. And so you did that with John Morant. You did that with Desmond Bain. You did that with Jaron Jackson Jr. Right. Uh, you, you're doing it with a guy like Saldi Adama. You're doing that with, with, with Brandon Clark. You, you acquired Steven Adams. Um, you know, you know, this guy, Vince Williams has become a, a, a quality defender. So your way of contributing is or flourishing is to cultivate your young players. Right. And so to me, I think if you're Memphis, I think you take, the bullet on this season, no offense to John and the guns and the bullet, but take the Damn, bullet. Gary. <laughs> take the bullet on this season. Um, and that's not about tank, but play it out. But just know if we, we let's try to get a top five pick. Let's try to get another franchise caliber player in, under our control for many years that can play with Ja, that can play with Marcus, that can play with Desmond Bain. Because you you signed Desmond Bain a two hundred million dollar contract, so like you got your foundation and Jaron Jackson Jr. Like you got your foundation there. Now play hard, do what you got, but understand that you don't have a team that's going to get out the first round. And so to me, you got to prepare for the future. Get Jaws. Obviously, to me, is this a, a, a injury that probably Jaw could have probably come back because it's January. But they probably said, listen, he ain't coming back till like late March, two to three months. Okay, because now it's funny, like it's January 9th, 9th, 10th, whatever we are. Mm -hmm. um, January 9th, the playoffs start in three months, right. three months of the week, right? So I'm sure they t probably said, um, listen, John's going to be out till late March. Why are we bringing them back for the final two of the regular season, rushing them back? Just have them shut it down. He'll be back for training camp in September. He'll be fine, along with Steven Adams. So if I'm, I'm Memphis, I just prepare for next season. 
Get another lottery pick because you know you're not signing free agents. You've got to bring in players that you can control for many years. Make a good draft pick. That's why you can't miss in the draft. And Memphis really hasn't missed in the draft. Desmond Bay, Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, they strapped Brandon Clark. Yeah. They scored with Morant. Remember, you know, they were number two pick. They could have, you know, it was a chance they could have gotten Zion Williamson if he had fell to him. So I think they made out pretty well despite his um despite his troubles, you know, they've 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 made they've made it out okay. So uh with Ja Morant. So build around him, build around Desmond Bain, Jerry Jackson Jr. Um, and your other guys, and then just prepare for next year. Yeah, and, and for those who are thinking, well, maybe they'll just part ways with Marcus Smart. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Marcus got two more years on his deal after this year, worth about $40 million. I don't see anyone being willing to necessarily take that on or specifically give Memphis the kind of assets that they would want in return for him. I think that I think there would be teams that would have interest in Marcus but not willing to give up what I think would make Memphis uh, open to that idea. Because to your point, Gary, it just – it doesn't make a lot of sense to try to jerry-rig this roster together to try to get your ass bounced in the first round of playoffs. Yeah. That, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, last one uh, on, on the NBA, and then we'll jump back to the Celtics looking ahead. But Draymond uh, is uh, officially no longer among the suspended, uh, working his way physically to get back in shape. Now, Gary, you've been doing this a minute. The Draymond that we see when he returns to the court, Will that be a more gentler kind of Draymond, or will he at some point revert back to doing some of the things that got him in trouble in the first place? I think he'll unquestionably get in to faces. I don't think the altercations will, will happen anymore. I think he understands that this is his last shot. And anything that he raises his hands, anything he kicking, anything that he putting somebody in a head, LAPD chokehold, um, those are, those are, um, you know, those you might are, get banned for the league. Yeah. Like you're going to probably miss the rest of the season. Right. Yeah. So I think he'll get in the faces. I think he'll be an instigator, but I don't think he'll be throwing hands. And I think that he understands how important he is because in all honesty, Sherrod, this is probably the Celtics, the Warriors last run, right? This is their final tour, right? Um, this is their last concert series. This is their... It's like know, the Jackson Victory Tour? Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, it was like the Victory Tour. <laughs> exactly. The youngsters looked that up. One of the biggest tours of all time. The Victory Tour. It's the Victory Tour. This is it for us. As we are constructed, everybody ain't going to be back next year. Even though uh, Draymond's signed three more years, $75 million, which is insane, but it's true. He'll be back. He'll be back, but this team has got to make one final run. The West, t- to me, is open. Like, Minnesota's a good club. Denver a good team. The Clippers are playing well, you know. But there's no, oh, my God, this team is just a juggernaut. No. Even the Timberwolves, right? Right. Um, the Nuggets are playing, starting to play better. But the th- and the Thunder are, are, are not to be messed with either. We saw the Thunder a couple weeks ago beat Boston. So, or last week. So, the West is there to at least make a splash, right? So, I think Draymond has his best behavior for a while. We'll see how it is in April and 
late March when these games wear on and he gets comfortable and he stops being the storyline because I think the Warriors are telling Draymond, Draymond, just quit making the headlines, man. Like, just play ball. Play mm-hmm. ball. However, what kind of – wherever player you are, play ball. Like, we don't need um, you to make headlines. We don't need this. We don't need the league calling us. We don't need Joe Dumars on the phone. You know, your friend, Joe Dumars. We don't need oh, Joe. Man. We yeah, don't need Joe on the phone. No, no, not for this, not for this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's real simple. Just dream on, stick to hooping and stay away from headlines and, and headlocks. Okay? That's simple. Wow. That's all you got to do. Stay away from headlines and headlocks and just you're good. <laughs> so uh speak, but you, you did mention a team that we should be talking about, and actually they're they're part of this week's uh lineup of opponents for the Celtics, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They they uh Celtics played them on Wednesday, Milwaukee the following night, Thursday, and then Houston on Saturday. What do you expect in this this trilogy of of, of opponents that the Celtics are playing? What do you expect to see? Big big challenges, big challenges. Um Minnesota you know, now the, the good thing for the Celtics fan for the Celtics, Minnesota plays at Orlando tonight. That is not a fun back to back. Cleveland did that same back to back. I don't know why the league is saying Orlando Boston is a is a back good back to back, and you could be be able to be fine with that back to back. But they're gonna they're gonna be a little bit tired. The Celtics should be a little bit rested after a day off. Healthy Jason Tatum in back in the lineup. We'll see about Sam Hauser. But you got to take those guys seriously. I think the Celtics will. You know, Ant-Man, Mike Connolly, Rudy Gobert, Kyle Anderson, you know, a lot of quality players. Car, our friend Carl Anthony Towns. So very staunch opponent. The next night, Milwaukee, the Bucks are not playing well. They got they the same Utah Jazz, the Celtics led by 36 in the first half led Milwaukee by 30 in the first half at Milwaukee. And I, I looked at that box score, and I'm like, wait a minute. This got to be one of those nights that Giannis and Lillard are off. Like, they right. they probably had, they probably said, you know what? We're just resting. We got to rest our – the fools are playing. Middleton, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I just thought, is this one of those games, like, you know, um, you know, Jackson from UConn's playing and Pat Connaughton's in the starting lineup. and you know, Cameron Raw Dog Payne, not Martin Raw. <laughs> I, I got a uh, tribute to Martin Raw Dog Payne. Um, uh, <laughs> look that up, kids. Cameron Payne is starting. I was like, it, no way there can be no Giannis in this game. No, they were down. I think sixty to thirty-one in the first half. They were getting booed by the Jazz. We just saw the Jazz, and the Jazz, the jazz looked terrible. But they wouldn't beat Philadelphia and Milwaukee, right? Yep. So the Celtics got the best of them. I mean, that's crazy. So I think the Celtics going to have to make a point in this game. Like, no, 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 we the better team. And then Houston, oh boy, uh, our friend is back. Go. He made Udoka. Um, that's gonna be interesting. It'll be interesting his reception, um, and his you know pregame press conference with us. <laughs> With that, like, y- y'all best not, <laughs> y'all best not ask me the wrong questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ask, me wrong, ask me the wrong questions. See what happens. What happens? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Can you imagine his face. Yep. His face yep. is mean on a good day. His face Can't is wait. mean on his face is mean on Christmas morning. 
Can you imagine that dude back in Boston about to feel the wrath, the booze, and he looking at us like, okay, what y'all got? That is a dangerous game. That is a dangerous game. You, you feel good when the Celtics play pretty much any team that's at or around 500 at home. Would you be surprised if Celtics' first home loss comes to Houston? I'd be surprised, yeah. I would Unless not. they take them lightly. I, I don't think so. I th- I, I think if Houston be- won. Houston's a bad road team. They are. They're a bad road team. They're good at home. They're bad on the they're bad on the road. To me, yeah, I would be stunned because I just don't think Houston has a chops yet to pull off that kind of win. The uh, Rockets listen. the Rockets are three and eleven away from Houston. They've had a home heavy schedule. They've had twenty one home games, 11, 14 road games. They literally are three and eleven away from Houston. Come on, man! Like for them to um, literally come in and be be in in the winning streak? No, I don't see it. They don't have the chops yet, and I know they got guys like Van Vliet, and they got a couple of veterans. Jeff Green is is there, and I like Jalen Green, you know, and I like I like Jabari Smith and Singun the. the um, the Turkish kid, the big yeah. man, the player, yeah. I think he's the player of the week. Yeah. He, he's a real prospect. He's a real fine there, great draft pick. But no, I just don't see it, Sarah. Like, I just don't think they have the chops yet to come in and literally win on the road at Boston. I mean, I'm looking at their road wins real quickly. Uh let me see here. They won at New Orleans. And uh, where are the three here? At Memphis, before Ja, and at Denver. Okay. Mm-hmm. At Denver is impressive, mm-hmm. right? Um, but no. That was early in the season, I think. Yeah, they lost in December. Yeah. You know, on the road, they've lost. They lost at Miami. But I think I don't know if Jimmy Butler played in that game. I don't think he did. They lost at Milwaukee. They lost at Cleveland, at LA, at Denver the second time, at Dallas, nah, at the Clippers, at LA again. They lost at Golden State. I think they'll be competitive, but I just don't see them coming in in, in into the street. Okay. Well, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, that wraps up another edition of the Big Three NBA podcast. Uh, Straw Blakely, Gary Washburn, and just uh, give one more shout out to Indeed.com, HelloFresh, and FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Media Network, where new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Uh, so again, for A. Straw Blakely, Gary Washburn, and our load management absentee, 28 Lunas. Uh, this is the Big Three NBA podcast. Thanks.